Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. Prayer is intimacy. We hear Jesus' disciples saying, teach us to pray. And this isn't just some casual, nice thing to ask a rabbi. It has come from somewhere. These folks have been observing Jesus getting off by himself or inviting them time and time again. I mean, how many times we hear Jesus went off to a lonely place to pray? And it's not just that they've observed this practice of his. It's that they're starting to connect this practice of his with what this being on the way has demanded out of him and is demanding out of them. Remember again, in Luke's gospel, the whole story is about being on the way to Jerusalem, being on the way to the life of God, the community of God. And so all of these stories are about what is it and what does it take to be on the way. And so the disciples have been watching Jesus pray, and they've been watching his responses in these different villages and with different people that they come into contact with. And they're starting to recognize a connection. You remember the story in John's Gospel about where they bring the woman caught in adultery and throw her before Jesus and say, that the law says we can stone her, what about you? And you remember Jesus is writing in the dust for a while. He doesn't answer him. And there have been many interpretations, and basically what he's doing is he's stopping to pray so he doesn't say things like, where in the heck is the male? Doesn't it, you know? And that's the nicest thing he was thinking about saying. The rest of it is stuff we couldn't repeat on here because this is recorded. (laughs) And he's praying because he's thinking that's not going to help and that's not going to help. But he does finally confront them and says in so many words, why are you using her to get at me and God? What the heck is going on here? And they're like, hmm. There are times when they go to the city, we've heard it several weeks ago in the gospel, and this one city doesn't welcome them, and they say, you know, the prophets would call down fire when people didn't like them. Why don't we call down fire today, Jesus? It's biblical, and Jesus says, no, today's the time to pass on and go to the next town. And there are days that Jesus looks at people and said, you brood of vipers, who are you trying to kid? And they're recognizing this connection that he seems to respond in ways that they wouldn't have thought. And they're saying, maybe it has something to do with the way he prays, the way he gathers himself, the way he connects himself to God. And so they say, Jesus, if we're going to continue on this way, please teach us how to pray. And so he does. And the very first word that he gives them is really the foundation for the whole, is really what everything else is marinated in. The very first word he says is, when you pray, say, Father, which as we know is that word Abba, which is beyond gender. It's about this presence that you have. It can be an adult-child relationship, but it's a, it's a child, it's a relationship of mutuality, a relationship of tenderness, a relationship of care. And if we're really going to understand what Jesus says right off the bat, the first word he gives them Perhaps we need to think less of some white-haired guy in a chair. I mean, white-haired guys are nice, nothing wrong with them. (laughs) Some of us are. 
But instead, when we want to think of that word that Jesus gives, perhaps we do better to look at the icons of Mary and Jesus and think of the relationship that we experience when we contemplate that picture. And Jesus is saying, do you see that image of that woman and that child? When you pray, know that that's what's taking place. Because what he says is, the very same way that I talk and interact with God is the way you will talk and interact with God. The very same intimacy that I assume that we see in that icon is the intimacy, the closeness that you should expect as well. No difference, no separation. Nothing that, you know, once again, that thing where we say Jesus is just like us, but really, God likes Jesus a lot more than us. And Jesus is saying, no, when you pray, you pray exactly like I do, and you presume everything that that term Abba means. It's about an intimate relationship, a connectedness. Now, I'm tempted just to say, go home, and for the next week, every day, stop and think about what is being said about who you are and who we are by that intimate image. When you pray, this is where you start, with intimacy. And it's really supported by what goes on with the Abraham story today. And I want to pause and do a parenthetical note because any time that anyone ever comes up and says to you, you know, the Hebrew Scriptures, that's that old judgmental God, that old covenant. And, you know, the Christian Scriptures are really the, the evolution into the better God, the graceful God, the nicer God. And tell them um, manure, you know, <laughs> garbage. No, that is so untrue. Because if you want to know how to talk with God, go to the Hebrew Scriptures, not the Christian Scriptures, because once you get past the Gospels, ours get pretty sanitized when people are talking with God. But the Hebrew Scriptures are rich, and they're earthy, and they're honest, and they presume intimacy. When Sarah is laughing at God because God says she's going to have a baby, that's intimacy. When the prophet is having one of those bad days and crying out to God saying, you know, Listen to those. They're phenomenal. And they're food. And we have a great example today because Abraham is talking with God and it's very intimate. It's very personal. And what we don't have is the verses right before this where God is going, you know, I've been hearing these things about Sodom and Gomorrah and I need to go talk to Abraham because Abraham's part of this whole thing of my blessing. He and Sarah are going to be the blessings for the whole world. I need to get them connected. And I'm thinking, translate that today. That God is thinking, I need to gather with you all. You all need to be in on what's going on. Not like, I hope you keep up with me, or I hope it's good. No, it's God saying, you know, before I go do this thing, you guys got to be with me in this. I'm going to go talk to you. That doesn't just happen to Abraham. That's going on every day with us. And so there is this conversation with Abraham and God God's saying, I've, I've heard this report about these cities. I'm thinking of going down there. And Abraham is like saying, yeah, that's probably a good idea before you execute your judgment. Uh, you might want to see who the people are actually, God. That's not a bad idea. And then Abraham says, you know, yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on down there. But, but what if you were to find 50 people who were faithful? What would you do? God says, I'd spare the whole city. 
and you know the whole rest of the story. Well, what about 45? Well, you know, who am I to tell you who you are, God? But, but you know, did I not hear somewhere that you actually were merciful? Does that not, does that not sound familiar? And, and maybe if you're merciful, maybe 30 and 20 and 10. And Abraham's reminding God who God is. And God doesn't just smote Abraham. But God says, you're right. Thank you for reminding me who I am. That's intimacy. That is so brave of the Hebrew writers to say, this is how we are in relationship with God. It is mutual. It is respectful. It's dignified. And it's interconnected. And it's real. And it's earthy. So whenever you talk to God, talk like that. Presume intimacy. Now Jesus goes on to say that prayer is also about practice. Prayer is about practicing, well, Jesus is calling, so. <laughs> I know. You got to stop when it rings and let whoever, just look, look at the windows. Look at the windows. <laughs> just give everybody graciousness and then it's wonderful. There we go. God is about mercy and so are we. But it's about practice, and it's about learned experience. And Jesus goes on to say, if you are going to pray, say, thy kingdom come. What you will is what we want. And what we're saying is, this way, this way of God, this way of being, this life of God, well, what does it mean to say, your kingdom come? Well, it means that on a daily basis, we practice asking questions like, What does dignity call for in this moment? What feeds dignity of all human beings in this moment, in this action we're about to take? What does respect for all human beings call for if we're saying, your kingdom, God, your life, God, your will? What does mutuality look like here? Because that, again, is the heart and cornerstone of the life, the kingdom, the reign of God. So when you're praying, ask those kind of questions. What are the values of the life of God, and what do they have to do with what we're about to do? Ask that question. And then ask for daily bread. And this is where we need to be reminded again that this story is about the mission of God being on the way. And so when Jesus is saying, ask for daily bread, he's not asking what what you're going to find at the grocery store. Now, listen to Kim Miller, bring all the loaves of bread, more than daily bread. We need like a week's worth of bread, right? But that's not today's story. Go do that. But what Luke is trying to say through the words of Jesus, give us the food that keeps us present today. Give us the food that helps us to listen for the life and kingdom of God right here. Give us the food that helps us to hear and see and experience and touch the life of God. That's soul food. That's community. That's people. That's rituals. Give us that which will feed our soul so we can live this day and whatever this day is asking from us. And the other thing I love about daily bread is it doesn't ask us to know what next week's bread is. 
you know? I mean, as far as I can tell, most of us are, are growing, and we're aging, and we're growing, and we're learning more and more each day, and we don't know what we'll know next week, let alone a month from now, let alone a year from now. And God's not saying, why don't you wait another year so you know more? Maybe wait another week. God's saying, what do you know today? Act on it. And wherever it is in error, presume that we'll have a conversation and we'll figure that out. But right now, just do what you know. Because any notion of knowing perfectly is not only fantasy, it's deadly. It's dangerous. Perfection it just shouldn't even be in the Christian vocabulary. Give us our daily bread and give us the courage to work on our daily bread and trust that we need to know in this moment what we need to do. And if we need to do some mid-course correction down the road, we'll be mature enough to figure that out. But God's not expecting us to have it all figured out. God's asking us to work on what we know today. Give us our daily bread. Now, this next one is for all the English majors in here and all those people. I, raise your hand if you love diagramming sentences in middle school. Yeah, see, there's... Oh, God bless you all. Man, you know, freely. It's okay. It's okay. We can pray for those things. I, no, I'm sorry. That is so tacky. No, we need you because the rest of us are like, how do you put a sentence together? But this one is for all of you who did that because you catch this stuff. Because what does it say? Forgive us our sins as we have already forgiven others. We would not be so presumptuous, God, to ask you to forgive us if we weren't working on forgiving others. That, those sentences are interlinked. And so what Jesus is saying is, practice forgiveness. Practice it on a daily basis. Because it will unleash freedom in us if we are truly practicing it. That means the next time someone does something to you that, that breaks a trust or doesn't fulfill what you all had agreed to do, you're expecting them to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. And you are expecting to say, yourself to say, and I forgive you. Not to say it's no big deal, oh, bless your heart, no, you know, uh-uh. Because that just keeps things around. Jesus is saying, express forgiveness, receive forgiveness. And when you have hurt someone, you tell them, I've screwed up and I apologize, please forgive me. And you wait till you hear that absolution pronounced to you. Because if we're not practicing that, then we just start collecting stuff and we don't know what things are and we're all being nice to each other, but there's just this stuff that's floating out there because we haven't said, today this is done and finished and now we're moving on. Practice forgiveness. And yes, there will be times when forgiveness may not come in the moment, that the parties need to do some more work. But that also means we're being intentional about it and we're not just blowing it off. Practice forgiveness and you will find a freedom to be on this way, unencumbered by just the stuff that just starts to attach to you. Now, a, a moment about prayer practices and how it is that we tangibly do all this stuff. I know I've said to some folks before, um, when I was interviewing here some 20 years ago, and the very first interview was a phone interview. That's kind of the first stage in these things, and Jack Parsons and there were two others were calling me, and I can still remember, I'm sitting in the living room of my house, because it's the first 
communication you have with folks, right? And it's over the phone, so you can't tell if they're looking and they're mouthing to each other, this guy's crazy. <laughs> you know, you don't know. There's no interaction, and you're trying to sound really, hi, I'm Todd, and Jesus loves me. <laughs> and you know the question that's going to come. It's usually not the first one, but it's coming. And at some point they say, um, would you tell us about your spiritual practices? And you want to answer, well, you know, I get up about 5.30, and I just sit in silence for an hour. And then I pray the daily office. And then I spend about 40 minutes with my icons, just letting Jesus talk to me. <laughs> and then I, I go and get together with my Lectio Divina group, and we spend, we just kind of wait for the Spirit, and then by then it's about dinner time, you know? <laughs> it's like... But I knew I needed to tell him the truth, because it's really good to tell the truth in an interview, right? And so um, I had two young daughters at the time, and Becky was teaching at the time, which meant she had to get out early, which meant I was the morning person, getting the girls ready, getting them breakfast, get that stuff. So indeed, I did get up about 5.30, but it was to get my own stuff ready so I could get them ready, get them, drive them to school, all of that. And, um, you know, and then the rest of my week and all this, and I, you know, I said something like, I pray on Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> a little more, but not a lot, you know, it's kind of like, but, but what I talked about was I said during the week, here are the spaces I try to create, both communally and personally, because yeah, my life is really full right now, and, and, and you know, it's not time to think, how did Teresa of Avila pray? <laughs> and so all of us aren't called to pray the same way, but what we are called to do is to figure out what helps us get quiet. What helps us get centered personally and communally. Some of you pray with prayer beads because you know it just keeps you a little more, you know, just to sit still is kind of hard. And actually, there's a lot of brain science about praying with beads. I like to pray with my dirt trowel in the garden. That's kind of my prayer bead, one of them, because it kind of gets me centered and quiet and lets all the stuff just kind of settle. And so what Jesus is saying, figure out the rhythms that work for you don't try to do what everybody else does. Recognize where you are in life and what you can do. I do have a little more time in the mornings now because I don't have to get those girls out. Okay, that works for me now. What works for you? What works for us as a community? How do we gather in the spaces that help us communally look each other in the eye and calm down and breathe? And because of that, be centered and hear and see what God wants us to see today. Intimacy. Praying for daily strength. Praying to let go of things. Praying for proximity to one another. Praying for proximity to the world. For Luke, prayer is the food for being on the way, and it's essential. And anybody who practices this prayer will find themselves immersed in the intimacy of God. And we who are practicing and experiencing the intimacy of God will realize that we are in relationship with someone who's leaning into us. And being immersed in that same intimacy will allow us to lean into this world about us.